Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. All right, we can do better. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We want those of you online to hear us, and we're glad you're with us today as well. And so great to be here on this Palm Sunday. Um, this is a special day, right? It's always on the Sunday before Easter, and it's the time when we remember and recognize the day that Jesus arrived in Jerusalem for the Jewish holiday of Passover. And so as he rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem, what the Bible tells us is that he was greeted by a large crowd, and they began to throw their, co their coats and their palm branches on the ground as Jesus passed by. You see, it was a tradition that when a king or a conquering ruler entered into a city, the people would create this kind of carpet effect by throwing their coats and their branches. And this was done as a sign of respect and honor, but also to, to make their ride smoother. But, but what we need to know is that by doing this for Jesus, what the people were doing is they were recognizing and proclaiming him as their king. And, and, and so even though this is not our topic today, I want us to remember and recognize that Palm Sunday serves as the kickoff to the Holy Week leading up to Easter. And so with that, I just I want to share this with you really quick. There's some cards in the seat back in front of you. They look like this. And then there's also some in the Welcome Center if you need more. But what this is, it just tells you the times of, of uh, Friday uh, as far as uh, Good Friday and then Easter, um, the times there as well. And I want you to use this card as an invite card and just take it to, to people. It, maybe it's your family. Maybe it's uh, someone at work, uh, a friend, but someone that could come and, and, and just share an incredible weekend with us as we celebrate Easter, okay? So, so make sure that, that you grab this, and, and if you need more, you know where they're at. All right, so today we're going to continue in the sixth and final week, and we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And for those of you that, that might be here or joining us online for the first time, you see, this is a letter from Paul, and it's encouraging and instructing his young leader, Timothy, who Paul had left in Ephesus to continue, continue ministering to the people because Paul was, was no longer there. And, and, and this, in this verse, he's telling Timothy and really all believers, he says this, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And then he goes on to say, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Paul tells Timothy to set an example in these areas of his life, knowing that this will bring, bring respect regardless of his age. And I think this still holds true today, right? Because anytime we're able to live or model what we are proclaiming, I think people still take notice. What he's not saying is that, 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 that we have to be perfect. But, but as Christians, when we mess up, we own it, we ask for forgiveness, and then we get back to living the way God's called us to live. Because again, that lifestyle, that lifestyle brings respect in any age. But today, our focus is going to be on Paul's last request to Timothy. 
In this verse, he says this. He says, set an example in purity. So our quest today is to try to find out what exactly is Paul saying there? What is this purity he talks about? And then how do you and I as believers, how do we pursue it in our own lives? You know, unlike the other examples that, that Rick and Tyler have preached on, the word purity is rarely mentioned in our, word to, in our world today, right? I mean, I mean, think about it. When's the last time you ever heard someone say that my New Year's resolution or my word for the year is purity? I think that, that one of the reasons is because purity is hard. It's hard, right? I mean, let's be truthful. Hard is not nearly as attractive as comfortable these days, right? The world shouts out, guys. The world shouts out to us. Join the party. Don't miss out. Do what everybody else is doing. And God whispers, be rare, be different, be pure, and become valuable. It seems like we now live in a world where excellent has been replaced by good, and good has been replaced by average, and average has been replaced by survival. And guys, God never intended for you and I to live that way. I think another reason is that purity is not something that comes natural to us. It's not something that comes natural, which means that you and I have to be intentional in our efforts every day because of what purity requires. And again, this is hard. But you know, I, I don't know when hard became a bad thing. I'm not sure when that happened. Because when something's hard, it grows us. When something hard is hard, we become more committed. Hard makes what we do seem important because we have so much invested. So I don't want us to think of hard as a bad thing anymore. It may be the journey God's got us on. Check out this definition of purity. This is what we will, we will um, refer to today. Purity is defined as a freedom from contamination or any corrupting elements. It's the quality of being clean or innocent. Those who are blameless. See what I mean by hard? See, that's exactly why this letter was meant for believers. Because left to our own selves, left to our own merit, purity is unattainable for you and me. It's unattainable. Because you and I come into this world already contaminated, already unclean because of the sin we're born into and the sin we continue to live as, in our lives. So this really doesn't make sense, right? Because many of you are going, well, how, you know, how can a loving God send his servant, Paul, to command something from us that's not doable, that we're incapable of doing? I mean, because that, that's kind of cruel, right? That, that seems unfair. But we have to remember something. In Isaiah 55, God says it this way. 
He says that his thoughts are not our thoughts and that his ways are not our ways. Because as you and I see purity for what it really is, as we see it for what it really is, it forces us to understand and admit that we can never be pure on our own. And guys, at this point, we'll do one of two things. We'll either keep trying to do something that we can't do and eventually get frustrated and quit, or we become desperate and we begin looking for a way to somehow make this happen. And what I want us to see is this. You see, it's in our desperation. It's in our seeking. It's in our search to find a way that God begins drawing us to himself. And so what seemed incredibly cruel by the world becomes incredible love by God. Listen to this verse. These are the words of Christ in John 14, 6, a well-known passage. And he says this, Jesus answered, I am the way, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I think that's one of the most clear passages in all the Bible. This is a statement by Jesus declaring that there is one way and one way only for you and me to become uncontaminated to be, or clean only because of who he is and what he's done. And so many people ask, and, and I think it's a fair question, but I get asked this a lot, is, well, why? Why is Jesus the only way, and what is it that makes him so pure? That's fair. You have to remember this. Unlike us, who were born into sin from the contaminated seed of Adam after he and Eve disobeyed God, remember in Genesis. Jesus, on the other hand, was born from the seed of a perfect, pure God. So not only does he come into the world pure, but he remains that way by living a completely sinless life for all 33 years that he was on this earth. And guys, it's because of and only because of his amazing purity that Jesus Christ is the only person ever to walk this earth qualified to be the perfect sacrifice that sin demands. In Romans, we're told that we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? So again, what it tells us is we're contaminated or impure. And, and that the penalty for that or the wages for our sin, what we earn for being sinners, is death. Again, it forces us to see how desperate and how helpless you and I really are. And that's when our hero, Jesus, arrives willingly, willingly leaving the comfort and the perfectness of heaven to come to this earth for one reason and one reason alone, to be the perfect sacrifice that sin demands, to pay in full what our sin requires, which is death. Dying on that cross, innocent and pure, Christ defeated sin forever, past, present, and future. And as we celebrate next week, we realize that he didn't stay in the grave, right? But he arose on the, to life on the third day. So now he's defeating death as well as sin forever. 
And, and I tell you that to recap so that you understand and know, in order for us to have purity, the only way is that we must accept Christ, the only one who is capable of doing that. And we must allow his sacrifice, his blood to cleanse us as we seek him and ask him to be our Savior and Lord. All right, so that's that, that's that recap for this. And so, so what do we do with that, right? So now as believers, you see, we're made pure in the sight of God through Christ, and that takes care of our salvation. But on the other hand of that, we are now on a journey of growing in our purity, growing in our sanctification by the way we live until God calls us home. Do you see that? you see the two? And so now, now that we're equipped by God to live differently through the power of the Holy Spirit, which comes upon our conversion to Christ, what does that look like? Let's take three areas this morning of our lives, and let's look at what effect this newfound purity should have on these areas, okay? The first is this. Let's look at, at our minds, right? Let's look at our minds. The control center for everything we take in, which also means that it has a direct effect on how you and I think. And I want you to listen to the words of Paul as he was instructing another group about the purity of the mind. It's in Philippians. It's in Philippians 4.8, and it says this. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, we have to realize that whatever we allow to go into our minds, whatever we put into our minds, eventually comes out in our actions, in our words. And we see here again that Paul is speaking to believers as he calls them brothers and sisters. And he's saying, hey, now that you've been made pure, now that you've been made pure by the blood of Christ, honor that by what you allow to come into your mind. That means that you and I have to do this, guys. This is so hard. We have to examine daily what we're allowing to go in. We have to examine what's going into our minds daily. I mean, this includes television, internet, books. It includes conversations, movies. It includes magazines. Anything that we are allowing to go into our minds. And we have to be intentional about replacing harmful input with wholesome material. Again, this is hard. This requires us to be intentional every single day of our lives. But we have to remember that Christ has equipped us with every single thing we need to do this. I want to share one area today that is killing the minds of many people, including Christ, Christ believers. According to industry studies, 70% of men 18 through 20 years old visit pornographic sites in a typical month. That means they represent one-fourth of all visitors to this site. The next largest group of users are men in their 20s and 30s. It says 66% of them who report being regular users of pornography. 
and today in America, which blew me away, men and women rent more than 800 million pornographic movies yearly. Again, don't be so naive to think that this is not affecting many who profess Christ. Guys, it's a problem. And it's affecting our purity. It's affecting our ability to be who God is calling us to be. And it's not only affecting the user, but it's affecting our families. Purity of the mind is a big thing. Listen to Paul's advice. He says this. He says in Galatians 5.16, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I tell you this, if this is an area that you're struggling in today, please, please just be honest with God. Can I tell you something? He already knows anyway. So just be honest. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, as Paul's talking here. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in your purity. Allow that to happen. And allow God to break these chains. This can happen. This can, this, you can conquer this through the power of God. The second area of purity I want us to talk about today is we want to look at is, is our bodies. How are we being pure in our bodies? Many theologians believe that Paul was talking about the purity of the body being so important because in Ephesus at this time where Timothy was teaching, the popularity and acceptance, acceptance of prostitution was, was why. It was something that was happening all over. It was part of the Roman colony, and this was going on. And, and I want to read something to you out of 1 Thessalonians that, that, that kind of deals with this. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4, and it's a little long. Stay with me, verses 3 through 8. It says this, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the pagans that do not know God. And that in this matter, that no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we have told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God the very God that gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, guys, I, I, I do realize this. I realize that these verses are not the most popular verses in our world today. And, and if I'm stepping on toes, please know this. These are not my words, okay? These are not my words. These are words that have been empowered by God and placed in his Holy Scriptures. And so we need to look at these, and we need to break them down. It says first, it says that we're to be sanctified, all right? Which means that as believers, we are called to become more like Christ daily in every area of our lives, including our bodies. It says we should avoid sexual immorality. That's saying that anything outside the boundaries of a married man and wife goes against what God's desire for sex is. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this. It says, flee from sexual immorality. It says, all other sins a person commits are outside the body. 
But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Next, it says that we are to have control of our bodies in a way that is honorable and holy. Again, God set the standard for a holy use of sex, and he's calling us to obey it. God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. You see, it was God who called you. You didn't come to him. God called you. And he purified us through Christ. And guys, we have to live what we believe and what we share with others. And then the last part, he says, anyone rejecting this instruction is not rejecting other people, but God himself. You see, so many people in counseling sessions, they'll tell me, hey, it's my body. I can do what I want with it. It's my body. The truth is, it's not. And guys, we are just directly disobeying God when we believe this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Again, not my intent today to hurt anyone. Not my intent to, to, to belittle anyone. It's just simply trying to share the truth of how you and I can go on this journey of purity that allows us to be who God's called us to be. I'd rather you get a little upset with me today and then come back and let's talk and, and maybe discover God's truth. Our third quest for purity today is dealing with the heart. The Greek word for heart is cardia, which, where, which is where we get the word cardiac. And, and in every culture, there's, a, there's an internal organ which it considers the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual side of a person. And in our culture, this refers to the heart, right? I mean, we say, I love you with all my heart, right? Or we say, let's get down to the center or the heart of this matter. It's our way of talking about the very center of a person's emotions and their thoughts. And this is exactly how the word is employed in Scripture. Do you know the word heart is used 105 times in 98 verses of the New Testament? Again, it's the center of who and whose we are. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. Listen to what it says. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That's the heart of a person that has not been cleansed by Christ because we're sinners, 
And that's, that's the heart. But I want you to see something. Paul continues on down from there. And I want you to listen to what, what is expected and what God expects of those whose hearts have been cleansed by the blood. So stay with that verse, Ephesians 4, and then we'll go to 20 through 24. And he says this. He says this is the continuation. He says that, however, that is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught with him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to make new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created, to, and to put on the new self created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. You see, as believers, our hearts have been made pure by Christ. And you and I are equipped with everything we need to continue growing in the newness and the purity that God desires. Guys, if you and I, if we are truly God's, the desire of our lives will be to grow in our purity so that we may know him and be used by him daily. Nothing else will satisfy your soul. Nothing else will fill that hole. God's purity is our sanctification. It's something that we have to strive for every day. You know, I think about this and try to, try to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we really look at this? And I, I think what I'm saying is that purity means choosing to love God more than anything or anyone. If I had to say a, a definition, I think that would be it. it. It's choosing to love God more than anything or anyone else and then expressing that love by wholeheartedly devoting our lives to him. Is it hard? Yep. Yeah, it is. It is. Does it go against everything that the world is telling us? Yes, it does. But you see, the decision on the table is this. Who do I want to control my heart? Who do I want to give my control to because whoever controls my heart controls me. You know, uh, purity in our lives as a believer, it, it reminds me of, of an older story. There was a, a young man that was, um, you know, from a small town. He had never really been outside of his town very often. And so what, what happened was he had saved all his money to buy a ticket to go on this cruise ship, and he was so excited. But because he had spent everything he had, he had no money for food. So the story says that every day he continued to eat peanut butter he brought with him, only to realize on the last day that the ticket that he had purchased was all-inclusive. You see, instead of eating all the incredible food on the ship all week, he had to settle for peanut butter all because he didn't understand the full value of the ticket that he had purchased. Please don't let that happen with God. Please don't let that happen with Christ. Understand the full package that Christ is offering you. Don't take a quarter of it. Don't take half of it. Don't settle for peanut butter when you can have filet mignon. We need to live our lives in the fullness of God 
trying to find that purity every single day and asking God to allow us to experience that love, joy, and peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm asking us as a church today, let's take everything that the package of Christ offers. I've said this before one time. It would be like having a, a, a Porsche and driving it around in a parking lot five miles an hour. You see, you're not, you're not using it. You're not using the package that's there. And so many of us are doing that with Christ. We're not using the total package that's there. And we're not striving for this purity. We're satisfied. Too many people today, including in our churches, are settling for peanut butter. Purity is hard. Striving for it daily in a world that doesn't like it is harder. But this is what God has called us to do. This is who God's called us to be. If you ever want to be used in the fullness of God, if you ever want God to be able to just show you what he created you to be, there are things in the way that have been blocking us in our minds and in our bodies and in our hearts. What a day. What a day to get rid of that. Again, God already knows. What a day to say, God, I am ready to go on this purity journey. I'm scared, but I know that you have equipped me to do this every single day. And I'm going to be intentional about what I do in these three areas of my life. If I am not intentional about my life and I'm walking in a way on my body, that's walking away from God. When I turn around and I'm this far away, three months later, that journey back is hard. That journey back is long. But if I am being intentional every single day and I realize I've done something and I take one step and I turn around, look how close that journey is. That's the importance of our quiet time. That's the importance of being intentional about this purity every day and inspecting our lives. You see, striving for purity is God's plan. After Christ saves us, that's God's plan for our lives and our souls. And I pray this morning that the full package of Christ opens up to us so that we may bring glory by the way we love God and live. Please, please don't settle. Don't allow excellent to become good in your life. Don't allow that. I think maybe today, maybe there are some people here that are struggling in one of the areas that we talked about. Maybe it is. Maybe you're struggling in, 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 in the area of your mind or your heart or of your body or all three. God says, come to me. Come to me. And I will forgive you and I will make sure that you and I work on this together and we're going to get you right back where you belong. That's our God. And Satan's saying right now to you, don't you tell anybody about this. Don't you tell anybody about this. They'll judge you. You see, he's a liar. And he wants you to stay trapped right where you are. Maybe today, maybe, you've never known that you were impure from the start. You didn't understand that. 
Maybe now after seeing that and hearing that from God's Word, maybe for the first time ever, you say, Christ, I want this purity. I want to be cleansed. I want you to be my Savior. I understand you are the only one equipped to forgive my sin. You know, we don't do this a lot at our church, but I felt like today's lesson allowed us to, to, to say that the worship team, when they play this next song, this altar is open. What a great day to do business with God. What a great day to walk out of here differently. Let me pray. Heavenly Father God, may today, may today be a day where we understand and know that you desire purity in our lives, that you desire us to strive to be who you've called us to be, to, to live your way in a world that doesn't, and to be an example for others. Help us, God. Grow us, God. Show us. And then, Lord God, use us. Use us in whatever way you see. I pray this in the name of my Savior and Lord Jesus. Amen.